Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And I am really honoured and excited to be introducing to you, to you our incredible guest this week. His name is Shervin Bullerian. He is an award-winning natural music artist, sound therapist, and celebrated vocalist who presents living sound and music as a medicine for deep relaxation, peace, and connection to the unseen. Shervin is also a recording artist and released his third album, I Hear You Mother Earth, this year in 2020. And that album has just this week won Shervin some awards. So I'm really, really excited to have you here today, Shervin. Before I throw to you to hear, hear from you, I just wanted to also say that Shervin is based in Bali. He presents various live music events and workshops regularly at the Yoga Barn in Bali, and he leads multi-instrumental sound healing trainings and private sessions in Ubud, Bali, where he's based. And that is where Shervin and I met. We probably met there about six years ago, I think. Is that, would that be about right? <laughs> in that long. I think so. I think so. So um, thank you so much for being on the show today. And um Thank you for, for being for being part of, of uh, Your Freedom Unlimited. I'm really excited to have you here. What a delight. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you very much for the beautiful introduction. I'm so excited to get into these subjects with you. I think you both know that these are subjects that we both resonate so much with. And, um, you know, it's it, uh, it can be one of those situations where you're left with these sliding doors. What do I do if I do this? What do I do if I do that? And I certainly feel like that's happened in my life where I could be still in an office sitting somewhere in Washington, D.C., continuing my daily uh, grind, so to speak, as it, as it felt for me in that time. And uh, I really chose, I chose another path and it, it completely opened myself to my own gifts and um, hopefully that it, it's helped some others in the process too because when you access those gifts, others benefit. They absolutely do, Shervin, and I know I've been in your sound healing sessions actually here in Australia and in Bali, and uh, I have to say that you absolutely do have some incredible gifts. So how wonderful that you did make that sliding door choice to, to make a big change. So perhaps we should just go right back to the well, go back to the beginning where in terms of where you'd like to start, but could you share with us a little bit of your backstory and, and this journey that you've been on to become now this award-winning sound healer? Well, uh, thank you, Jabra. I, I, it's so hard to kind of find a starting point, uh, but I think I, I think the important thing is for folks to realize that uh, I was a refugee, as um, are many people who were born in Iran and who had to leave or were outside of the country during the 1978 revolution, and so um, a lot of a lot of my life had to kind of go from a place of starting from scratch and also for my parents too. And um, this was a huge, huge effect. It had a huge effect psychologically when you're in a place of being a refugee and an immigrant and you want to really express that you're carrying your weight, that you're, you know, contributing to society um, and that you're, you're, you know, you're offering something of importance. So it was so important for me um, to, to do well in school and to follow, you know, the rules and to be part of, of the, of what the, what the normal way of being is and to try to excel and to stand out. Um, and everything had to do with, you know, being the smartest person, accumulating as much information. You're very familiar with Iranian culture yourself from, I am. from your 
internationally. And so there is there is a, a lot of pressure to to be be someone who gets ahead in society and status and so on and so forth. And um, you know, to to kind of come from a place where you knew as a child that your passion was was music and poetry. And to be constantly told that this is something that it needs to be set aside and instead you need to focus on, you know, being a breadwinner and doing things that are lucrative, being a prag pragmatist and so on and so forth. Um, well, it was, it was kind of a challenging thing to, to turn around as I did when I was in mid-career in Washington, D.C. as an advisor to members of Congress and to national groups, uh, organizations that were involved in um, U.S.-Iran diplomacy and peace and security. And I basically left an entire career behind and started a new life as a sound healer in Bali, uh, working with energy and all of these esoteric things. And, you know, who could have imagined if someone would have come up to me at that point in my life and said, hey, here's what you're going to be doing in 10 years. I would have laughed in their face and said, you're full of it. There's no <laughs> way. What are you talking about? So um, we just are, a lot of us, we don't realize that we, we're born into this world and we already have so many demands and expectations and things that we have to live up to um, that can really crush the soul and put, put, in, put into place these these things that some people call a prison of our own choosing. And that's exactly how I had, uh, had started my way in, in this world of professional, professional life and career and so forth. Absolutely. Well, and you're, that's what an incredible journey, Shervin, to have been a refugee into a new country. And it's interesting to hear you. I haven't heard it quite described that way before, but I do understand it's that, that weight of responsibility of, I guess, gratitude to the new country for what it's given you um so and to then fear and then with that cultural overlay on top of that in terms of yes there's a very high expectation in Iranian culture in terms of performance and uh you know you're highly educated highly intelligent people and so to, to progress and to to demonstrate that you've made good with those opportunities that you've got there's a lot of a lot of pressure there a lot of pressure there how old were you just when you came to the U.S. how, how old were you exactly? I was 16. I had just graduated from high school, GCSE in the UK. And um, I had decided that I wanted to leave the UK and I left home. And I left to move to California. I wanted to go to college in California and I wanted to live with my sister. So I made a bold decision to leave my, my life behind. And um, I was in a bad way, as many people are. Um, who are perhaps feeling feeling like they're displaced or feeling like they're they're kind of in a culture that doesn't allow them to spread their wings and really show their true nature um i have absolutely nothing against the british culture but it just it wasn't really allowing me at that time the kinds of people that i was around the kind of environment that i was in to really be able to get into my my own um way of wanting to really interact with the world and so I had gone into a really slippery downward spiral where I had become a very angry kid and I was on the verge of you know 
just uh, very negative types of things in terms of my own health, in terms of my own attitude, what I was, the kinds of people I was hanging out with, the direction I was going into. There was, there was not a lot of hope for me. And I, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in the universe being a benevolent place. I was very much um, just kind of like a free-for-all mentality. And then it was, some, it was something that happened to me when I moved to the U.S. that I started to recover from this real kind of dystopic view of the world and of myself. And uh, things started to shift at that point. And wow, so you've done this huge move and really the move from the U.S. to Bali was almost a second move. This first one from the U.K. to the U.S. was obviously a significant move. What was the thing and how courageous that if you're in such a difficult place within yourself to to feel that, to listen to that, intu- obviously it was an intuitive call to go to the U.S. And, and start afresh. But when you got to the U.S., what can you share with us what happened that sort of helped you sort of turn that around? Because that's a lot of people have young people in their lives, young men in their lives who are really not in a good way at the moment. So I'd be loved, I'd love to, if you could share what, what that turning point was for you. Well, there are a couple of different factors. Uh, one of them was that I started to find individuals in my life who believed in me and believed in, um, in you know, maybe not, not really understanding my gifts and what I what I was about, but I didn't really understand that about myself at that time. I feel like uh, if people can just kind of show kindness and, and love, and, and if you are aware that if you're in a situation where you're not ex- experiencing that sense of acceptance and kindness, that sometimes what has to be done is just to remove yourself from that experience and to find, you know, uh, find people that can really help you rediscover that there is that there is beauty in this world and that there are people in this world who are you know truly angels um they they are here to to spread love and i had no sense or idea of that i had no experience with that um i was around very loving people but they were so heartbroken and wounded and so much in their own um, psychological traps. And at the time, I started to blame them for, for my condition, but there was really nobody to blame. It was simply the, the situation we were in, and nobody really had any tools or understanding or an emotional language or capacity to be able to get beyond these things. Mm. So an important thing to kind of find, uh, to to identify the people in my life who I really felt that sense of love and kindness and acceptance. And one of them was my sister and, and I met others in this process as well. And the other thing that happened, Jennifer, was that I had a, a very major um, near-death experience while I was in the U.S. Really? Uh, this, yeah, this really changed matters for me and it completely transformed my whole idea of, you know, what life is about beyond the material realm (laughs) made me realize that there's gosh, there's stuff happening that I have no idea about that. There's forces at work here that, you know, can, can really show up to you and really support you when you need it. 
Wow. So that's something that uh, is also, you know, made a big difference for me. And I started to pick up the pieces at that point, realizing that there was something bigger in life, bigger than just me and my way of interacting and my anger and my frustration, and, you know, and then, then came a period of softening. And through that softening, um, you really start to appreciate your own, your own power through your own gentleness, your own power through your own sense of um, innocence and tapping into the inner child which is something that we all forget at a, you know, at a certain age. We, we do, don't we? I know. And that's exactly the, that's, it's such a, an incredible thing to, to tap back into. And what an experience, Shervin. And, and, and you're right, it's this power of people who simply love and believe, you, and believe in you. And I think there's, if, if anything, when I think about myself and my life and, and those around me who perhaps have needed that support at that time, particularly in those teenage years for young men, it's a, it's a really tough, can be a tough time, even if you've had the best of circumstances, whereas obviously coming from a, a refugee experience, your family would have, would have had a huge impact from that whole experience. So how beautiful that you were able to, your sister was there and, and you were able to open up to those, those incredible people. But also this near-death experience, I've, I, it's something that's of personal interest to me. I've, I've done a bit of reading in the area and it does seem to change people. So, and how, you know, maybe these things happen. I mean, obviously it happened for you to create this, this softening that you're talking about and uh, this openness to the, to the bigger picture. Is that, is that really what happened for you? Absolutely. I would say that it was so transformational that it's, you know, um, it, it really led me on my path. It really started me on my path. Mm. Because you, you go through this thing, there's just no logical explanation <laughs> for, you know, something happening to you where you are supposed to be, you know, here, perhaps in a casket, perhaps, you know, in a hosp hospital, in a, in a, near-death situation where you're in an emergency room or something and I managed to to just step out of the experience and really see myself as as something engaged with a cosmos that has, sometimes has rules in terms of what physical reality is but then there is also something that goes beyond the physical rules and that's where, you know, some people talk about it as spirit or a, a sense of um, cosmic love or, you know, um, just divine presence. And all of these things really help you to start to, it's like a, a completely different reference point for how everything is starting to happen to you now. And, um, you know, I may not have known it at the time, but that was that was really my first step into the world of of coming into my own self. What's um, what? hitting reset, if you like, hitting the reset button. Well, that was exactly the, the word that came to my mind. It's almost like you were you were ricocheted back into a different reality. So if you had you were taken out for a moment and then came, saw what you saw and then came back in, that's yeah, that's incredible. So how old were you when that happened? I was uh, seventeen. So you've just been in the U.S. for a year. And, yeah. and what, can you share with us what happened exactly or was it too different? Well, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but it, it just involved me being in a, 
in what should have been a fatal or near fatal car accident. And I basically, my, myself and everybody else in the car, there were three passengers. Um, we were all very young. We were coming back from the beach and, you know, very unsuspecting about this kind of thing and not a scratch on us. Wow. Nothing happened to us. You know, everything was intact. And there was just no explanation. I can't rationally put this to anybody, but it's it's one of those things that you just, you know, you realize that the world is filled with mystery and filled with so much um, magic, you know, healing magic. Mm. And you once you're exposed to that, you you just pay attention to things a little bit different. You look, you're, there's a different light shining in the way that you per- perceive everything happening to you. That was that was a real fortunate. Um, fortunate is not the right word. It was it was it was providence. You know, mm. it was something that really helped me kind of get into a sense that hey, there's more. There's this is life. Life mm-hmm. is life is not just about the physical reality and the material. It's start, certainly a majority of how you know humans perceive life is that. But you know, and what, how beautiful when we're kids that we're able to tap into that place so so instantaneously. And when we're in nature, that we can tap into that place because there's the purity of that energy there. And it gets, it it escapes us when we get more into the Western lifestyle and and way of thought. And and that's, uh, that's what we try to recover from. That's an interesting use of, use of phrase there what we try to recover from and i think i think you're right i'm it's certainly it's this conditioning that we receive so we come in perfect as as very perfect worthy beings and um and we still are perfect but that layer of societal conditioning and these expectations that you and i've been talking about and all of those family society you know church religion whatever it is we're so layered up that by the time we get to the forming our own life then we can, you know, then it's it's very problematic because we forget who we really are. So you were certainly sort of, you'd come and you mentioned earlier when we started this interview that you're a child who loved poetry and music but had to need to move into a conforming manner, into, into, into a different uh, paradigm to suit your family requirements and what you thought you, sh- you should do. And then you had this experience at 17. So what happened then on your journey? You, I know you did go on to university. You've a master's degree so what happened then well i um i ended up kind of getting more and more involved um my my parents and my family all wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor i couldn't stand the sight of blood so i couldn't be a doctor or a dentist or anything like that and so i thought well you know i'm not really a lawyer either i don't really like to argue uh it's not i I wouldn't like to be paid to kind of (laughs) you know be combative with my words but i decided that i would go into political science which in the u.s is kind of a a step before going into the legal world and i um i got turned on by the idea of social justice and you know movements that had to do with um just kind of helping people who don't have an opportunity to speak for themselves or or 
represent themselves and so on and so forth. That that really interested me and that got me into a very um, a, a very intrigued fascination about this world. When I started to then develop all of this and I got into this fellowship working in the California State Senate, I worked for a member of the State Senate for a while. I, you know, I, I graduated um, kind of the top two in my class. Just, just I, I mentioned that just because I was so driven and I was bringing back that whole idea that I wanted to do well in this world. And I, 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 I just couldn't afford to to not go outside of this narrow idea that success had to come from, from grades and then salary and so on and so forth. And, um, and then I, when I got to Washington and I started to working on these issues in the big league, so to speak, and I was doing well and my career was taking off, I started to realize just how much of my of my motivation I was coming from a reactionary place that is to say that I was dealing with a lot of my hurt from being a displaced person being a refugee being someone who was part of a culture that would people equate with terrorism and negativity and violence and so forth extremism and I was dealing with all of those personal demons by by taking on a quest and trying to find a way to deal with those personal demons through this, this quest of, you know, peace with Iran. I'm not saying anything negative about these wonderful um, initiatives and movements and campaigns that people are on. But I do believe that most people who go into this, these fields, that there is an element of bypassing. There is an element of not really being able to look deeply within to be able to say that, hey, I am actually taking my frustration and my pain and trying to correct it, balance it through the political world. And you can certainly see those kinds of um, paradigms today when we look at where Washington is and what's happening now with the pendulum swinging, potentially back in a different direction. But all of this is to say that I was realizing that this motivation of this drive, this hunger was coming from a place that didn't feel altogether healthy and had made me kind of move very, very far from that state of balance and that state of really who I really was, what I'm really about, what I really want to do in this world, what my mission is. And from there, I, I had to pay attention because as you or you know, um, perhaps others who are who are listening or watching might know, when you're in a place where you're so fervently involved with career or some kind of thing that you're dedicating your whole life to, you don't pay a lot of attention to things like your own health. Um, and you know that's what was happening. My personal life was crumbling. My health was crumbling. I was in a very, very bad way. I was, uh, you know, I needed various different surgeries. I had a knee injury that just wouldn't go away. I had stuff connected to digestion. I had stuff connected to anxiety. I, you know, I had sinus infections and so on and so on and so on. Something called thoracic outlet syndrome. I had so many visits with doctors and surgeons and uh, nurses and various other, you know, uh, allopathic health practitioners. 
And I was in a place where I was just desolate. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't advance my career. I couldn't understand why, no matter how hard I was supposedly trying to address my, my uh, inner challenges, that they would just keep coming back. I was not at all paying attention to the energetic core of what was happening. This is all in hindsight now. So as this, this past sort of made it, clear, made it clear to me that I was in a, in a very, very precarious place health-wise, then I started to turn to the world of energy simply because there was nothing else that was working. I didn't go in a cave. I didn't find samadhi and, you know, shoot myself into the, the cosmos while sitting in, in lotus for 30 days straight. No. It came from pure necessity, living as a professional, living in Washington, D.C., trying to work every day in my suit and tie and realizing, hey, none of this stuff is working. It's just a digger hole that I'm digging for myself. Drugs, surgery, physical therapy, so on and so forth, over and over and over again. That was the cycle. Nothing was helping. And, um, and so, you know, you, at that point, you have to look at other things and other options and you start to realize, wow, I actually have a hand in this. My choices, my attitude, my way of being, my way of ignoring, it's all contributing to the state that I'm in. Mm. And uh, that's when it began to really dawn on me that I needed to find another outlet for my life. I needed to change my career. I needed to just turn my life around and you know being in the emergency room for in pain for so long i didn't have a choice about the matter it was nothing that had to do with you know with just taking a uh, taking this decision based on some you know somebody some kind of like being coming into my presence and saying you have to go and do this none of that was really aware uh, i w- i didn't have that awareness at that time it was all at that physical level. And I think um, what they say, I mean, you're not alone in that. And, and I've, I've interviewed others on this podcast with, you know, a similar experience was when, and I, th- and I think that I think they say that when we're not uh, available at any other level, the, the messages will come through the body and it's the level of resistance, you know, that the illness in the body is a level of resistance that we're holding to whatever's going on in our life or what we're not accepting. And, I just think all power to you to to have come to that realization. But I didn't know you'd been through such a that's that's such an ordeal of of illness. So when what was the turning point? When did you? And, and you're right. It kind of would have been might have been easier if you just got that little bit of the tap on the shoulder and you know turn turn right here in your life. But I don't think that that happens most often for people. I think it is more this. We have to have this experience of going to a, a fairly deep, dark night of the soul place before we can come back up out of it. What was the turning point for you when you suddenly realised, because you, you said some very important words back there, I realised that I had a part of this and that it was what I was thinking and my, my, how I was viewing my world because I completely agree with you. That's exactly what I subscribe to, we, how we view our world and how we experience it is how we create it. But what was the turning point for you in that? How did you come to that realisation? Wow. I'm creating some of this, or this is coming from me? Great question. Uh, The main thing was that 
I started to see how my personal life was, was, was just falling apart. One particular relationship made me realize that I was completely addicted to my work. And I was so, so much of a workaholic that I couldn't enjoy and I couldn't make time for the ones that I loved. And the other thing, Jennifer, and this was also equally important, uh, even my family started to realize that I'm not making this up when I talk about my pain, even though nothing could be, you know, detected from, from a Western scientific standpoint, you know, I, I wasn't making it up. And they couldn't understand and they saw just how much agony I was in. And I think they started to realize that, hey, you know, even though our son has all of this status and all of this great, uh, great advances that he's making, being in Washington and working on the world, it's really, it's really not, you know, it's, it's not helping him in any way get past his pain. So I think those things really made me see that there was something else happening. The third thing, and this is a really important one too, I decided I was going to go and I had an opportunity to, to swim with wild dolphins. Wow. Wild, thick of the most stressful time of my life. The Iraq war was starting to spread. Iran was on, you know, call for Back then, John Bolton had said that Iran needs to take a letter because they're next. We're going to target Iran. And so this made a whole lot of stress happen. I was dealing with very, very difficult bosses and, you know, personalities around me, stressful environment. People around me were frustrated. But I decided I was going to just leave all of this. I needed to take some leave. And I went and I swam with dolphins in the Bahamas wild dolphins and i tell you that return to that place of innocence that that's place of joy that place of depth to see these amazing creatures in their elements interacting with them seeing how that in even in the darkest deepest parts of this world that there is this bright playful loving energy that you can instantly connect with you know it's the amount of joy that I felt, the amount of uh, the amount of ice that melted from my heart. You know, it just gave me such a thrill to be in that state, and it you know it was a lovely experience. I take that back with me, and I was on cloud nine when I got back to DC. It was just a week, and I knew from then on, I got. I got to change this. This is not the way my life has. I can see that my life can be different. I can feel just within a week what's happened. Mm. All of the opening, all the decrystallization, what attitude and joy can create for, for a person who's going through so much. And you know, incidentally, we're talking about dolphins. These are natural sound healers. They work with frequency without any technology except their own. So you could say that they, there was an activation that occurred. Absolutely, yeah. yes. What a, what a gift you gave yourself, you know, to have gone to do that in the midst of that stress, to say, okay, I need to just need some time out. But you're right, it was an act. It was like a, it was an inspired move, that's for sure. And to go to the dolphins of all places who are the sound healers, oh, my gosh. Tell us, what, I'm on the edge of my seat, what happened next? 
Well, then I just was hooked. Then I went and I did a retreat with compact whales in the Dominican Republic. And I, again, each time a layer, I went then to the Amazon and connected with the energy there. And um, then, you know, I ended up becoming a father. And, and, and before that happened, I'd actually become so turned on to all of these beautiful experiences with nature and the natural world that I found an energy worker in DC while I was working full time. I'd started another job. And this woman, her name is Robin Rice. She's an international author and a shamanic um, practitioner and trainer. And through that experience with her, I had a, I, I was invited to do a year-long apprenticeship with her. Then it all made sense. Then things started to make sense for me. And what do I mean by that? I started to realize that this world of energy is not just something that you can, you know, brush aside. You have to pay attention to your thoughts, to the thoughts of others, that people operate on a certain frequency that uh, your surroundings that the, that the work that you do the, the relationships that you get in the opportunities that you meet the challenges that you're met with all of these things they have a bearing and that there is a root energetic impulse that is either sucking you in or it's repulsing you and you have to pay attention to this. This is the number one rule of sound healing, by the way, which I bring up to all of my students. Listen, listen, listen. There is nothing more important in this world of sound than the art of listening, reclaiming the art of really paying attention, being aware, heightening your senses. You talked about how the, the physical body is the last stage when everything starts to crystallize. Well, what happens before all of that? Yeah. There are dozens of other you know pieces of information that come to you and if you're not numb if you're not pushing yourself too hard if you're not kind of stuck in a corner putting all your mental energy and making money or trying to be the best to be the most intelligent be this be that be all of these things if you're able to come out of that mentality and come into a come into your heart, come into a centered place where you can tune in. This is an important word as well with the sound healing. If you can tune in, then you start to get many more hints and more ways of being able to access the information that's important. You have a certain vibration that is true to you. Mm. I have one that is true to me. And if you're starting to you know, pretzel that vibration in such a way that you have to fit in so that you can hang out with certain people so that you can get a certain amount of, you know, whatever credit, whatever that is, physical credit of some kind, then you're going to start to cut yourself off from your core vibration. Some people call it your soul vibration. Yeah. When the soul vibration gets cut off, then according to the holistic world, then there are other things that happen, emotional, mental, and physical, that create all kinds of nastiness for life. So you have to go back to that core vibration and really be able to build up your senses again. And you do that simply by coming back into, into you know, um, I feel nature. Mm -hmm. And you come back to that place where 
you can resensitize. You can I, be others who are sensitive and who can help you. Children do that too. Nature does that. Animals do that. So these, this is this is the way which nature allows us to come back into that pure pure sense that that allows the corrupting influence of all these other things that take over to be dissipate. And uh, it's that's I really felt it. I felt that number one rule so deeply that I can fully authentically embrace it and say if I didn't do that I would probably be either in a humdrum life right now, completely sick, or I would have already shuffled off this mortal coil. I don't know. Well, I'm so glad you had that realisation and that you are here with us because you've got such a gift, Shervin, and your ability to just convey that is just so powerful. And you're right, it's from your own experience. You've had that lived. And, you know, you've had maybe you had to live that experience of going to those depths and then coming back back out to, to be able to really, as you say, authentically, uh, understand, authentically live this life, but actually understand the importance of our vibration. And I have to say, I'm completely aligned with you around this 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 notion of vibration. It's just it's it's central to understanding our vibration where it's at, and then what we can do to actually elevate it is central to living, you know, a free life or you know, an unlimited and and a, and a very free life. And um, I'm I'm particularly fascinated by the ability of music to shift our vibration so quickly. And as you say, nature, animals, children, these all of these, all of these, uh, I don't like these word tools, but all of these things are accessible to us so that we can step into that. But it comes down to our own choice point, doesn't it? It comes down to us realizing that actually this is something that would be valuable and worthwhile. And and I think what I what I notice is is that uh, our society tunes us, uh, asks us to tune into the outside, our external experiences, and as you said, those things of status, education, homes, money, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, rather than tuning back into that inner world, which is obviously what you what you have done so well with the sound healing. So, with that, so you're in the US, you're having this apprenticeship with Robin Rice. What then in, inspires the move to Bali? Because you've been, you could have gone to South America or Costa Rica. There's many beautiful places in the south of the U.S. that you could have potentially landed, but you chose Bali. Well, the the one thing that really helped was out of my hands, and that was that the economy tumbled. Right. At the time, we were we're we're talking about 2009, and the economy was in a very bad way, and um, I lost my job. I got laid off. I was offered another job with another with Greenpeace actually to be their climate coordinator, their Washington climate coordinator, and I turned it down. And I decided that this was actually important enough for me. My health was important enough. My sanity, my my sense of joy was important enough. And I'll tell you, I had just become a father of twins. My twins were maybe four or five months old when I got laid off. So. You know, I could have gone into this mode of telling myself, ooh, now I've really got to batten down the hatches and I've really got to make money and I've really got to put myself out there and be the, you know, the, the stiff-arming, uh, career-oriented person. Uh, but I really felt that because they were part of my life that I wanted to show them something else, a different model. 
I wanted to be able to connect with them. I wanted to have a quality um, experience of fatherhood and, and parenthood with them. So, you know, um, Bali was something that was on my mind, but it was only meant to be a few months of detoxing from DC. But I knew I needed to go to Bali. And I, I just knew because I had been told that it was a very beautiful place naturally, that it was a very culturally rich place, mm. that the people and the kindness of the people was something that stood out. You know, the environment in terms of the temperature and the, you know, the, the tropical um, energy of the place, all of these wonderful things. And also there were a lot of musicians in the Ubud area. Yes. We just decided, myself and my ex, and my kids, we just decided, you know, let's go and just spend six months there. And that's now ended up being 10 years. Wow. What a great, well, what a great place to heal. And um, I, I mean, yes, I, as you know, I love Bali for all of those reasons that you've just explained. There is a gentleness. It's as soon as you are, I'm not sure about you, but as soon as I literally get out of the airport, as soon as those, as soon as I walk out those doors, there's the the energy that they call it the goddess energy but it's literally and you're still in this craziness of Denpasar it's not like you're in a beautiful <laughs> waterfall area but even in that craziness of Denpasar and there's people everywhere and you know taxi drivers wanting attention you know, all, all sorts of things going on uh, lots of Australians coming out <laughs> lots of things <laughs> going but um, uh, you, you still just feel this incredible uh, it's this incredible calming energy and to, it's it's literally like you're stepping into another realm. It's a slight, it's definitely a sliding door moment for me. So, I'm I I just think how wonderful that it was that you chose to take your family there for six months and that you've you've been there all of this time. So, and how has that journey in Bali been for you? This is where you started to really create music. No, music. Here's the thing about when you make a choice, something where you really pursue your passion because that was the same year that I decided to ditch my career and also start my training as a sound therapist. And I really invested in my craft and I trained at an academy and got the training that I needed to. I was so scared of not having the resources. I was starting a new career entirely and I had just become a father, as I'd mentioned. But you know what happens in these moments when you pursue your passion you are able to meet the right people. Situations open up to you. The world starts to give you opportunities that you would not have imagined could have been available to you before that. And that's what happened with me in Bali, is that I started to go into this direction uh, where I left my prior, prior career behind. And bit by bit, things started to come up and I will say that, you know, I was definitely in a hard place financially for a while. And this was not a choice made based on how much money I was going to make. Absolutely not. It was a choice ba made based on all those other aspects, that, you know, time, time with family, uh, being able to, to smile and enjoy life, to get up every day and feel a sense of rejuvenation and recharging and you you know it really did take me six months to kind of shake off the, the exhaustion from dc 
but then all these opportunities started to come to my um, whereabouts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a way that I just was blown away, literally thinking about someone and then showing up and having a conversation. And then that led to some other connection that then led to a job or, and so after finishing my training in 2011, I was flying back and forth to the U uh, to the U S and also to Switzerland to complete my training with the Tamado Academy. After a year of just kind of all jobs here and there, I was offered an opportunity to, to share my work at the yoga barn, which has, which was a kind of a newer institution back then. And it just flourished. There's something about Bali. There's something about the energy there, something very magical happening. And people are really starting to um, build a network worldwide based on, and friendships and, you know, incredible things happening based on these this very small community and i feel like um that is still a work in progress like it that hasn't changed and it's really created so many door opened so many doors for me that i you know like what is this what's happening how is this even possible so i would just encourage you this was the choice you know if, if those of you who are listening if you feel like the financial world is going to be the thing that shuts you down from your from your dreams then you know you can piecemeal it for a while start to dedicate a little bit of time here and there and i also had these jobs you know i was teaching english for a while and then i was doing pr for for the bali spirit group and you know just little jobs here and there but i definitely had my sights set on having this new career and serving in a different way and it you know meeting people like um you know uh just the the other members of the bali sound healers collective building a a collective a community of sound healers people who themselves had become so disenchanted with trying to share music from a strictly entertainment standpoint and now there is this forum for them to share music in a totally different way and a forum that was for healing and not only were people loving it and coming and wanting to be part of it we started with two or three you know two or three guests but musicians started to flock as these events sprouted from two or three to filling the entire room you know before covid hit it was 60 65 people coming to the sessions that i was offering wow so i i have to really encourage you follow your heart fly open your wings take the plunge into the unknown if it's really what you're about and if you're not there yet then have a beautiful adventure to try to get there absolutely and i think it's about this notion of opening up you know, rather than thinking, you know, there's an opening up truly to the opportunities that are there. And that's what your story so beautifully uh, illustrates, Shervin. I'm loving this conversation because I think what you're demonstrating is it's firstly the notion of opening up and you had the, the health issues, the health crisis to create that. But then you truly, you went in 100%. You went all in. and that is when definitely the universe 
conspires and transpires to support you. It, it really, there's a real recognition of, of that, that passion for that, whatever it is. And obviously in this case, it's, it's sound healing. And so of course you had to, those people, you, we were going to get those phone calls and those jobs and those connections and, and look at what you have created. I mean, you really are a pioneer of sound healing in, in a bud. And as I've been, I've been going to Bali since about my first visit to Bali would have been about 2010. So 2010, 2011, right when you were arriving. And as, and I, I go at least once, if not twice a year. And as I've been going, yes, that music scene and that sound healing scene has really opened up. And it's such a vibrant community. Um, aside from the beauty of the Balinese people themselves, and I just really want to acknowledge them for the for the incredible energy that they create with their daily blessings and the the environment. When you go there, you can't help but be connected into the energy because you see the beauty of the women every morning providing blessings as food is being taken to the temples very regularly to be blessed before it's eaten. All of these things from a very ancient culture that, that they have very graciously allowed us to go and become a part of. You know, they're very gracious, open people. But what you've created there is is nothing short of a miracle because Ubud is such an incredible centre of healing but also sound. And yeah. I, I know post-COVID people will be I can't wait to come back, you know, and people will be flocking back to be a part of that. So how did you go in terms of your creating your own music? Because I'd, I'd really like to just talk about this album now, your I Hear You Mother Earth, that has just won you three awards. You've won uh, two a People's Choice and a Jury Selection Award and another award for your music videos. So, and this is in the fourth annual Global Peace Song Awards. We'll, we'll be putting links to all of Sherman's music and in, in the show notes, but... Could you share with us a little bit about the creation of that album and um, what it felt like to win this award? <laughs> well, um, first of all, I'm loving this conversation too. I'm so delighted again to be part of it and to to know that there that there is some um, people who can receive this story and hopefully, you know, that there will be that it will resonate with them. Um, in terms of the the award itself, the album, let me talk about the album first. The album, I was asked after I did this, this um, music collection that was based on Rumi's poetry, uh, the last album that I did, the second album that I did, that, uh, you know, why don't you do a sound healing album in terms of, well, what, what is it that you do live, those events that you do with all the different instruments you play, and then why don't you translate that to an album? And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll give that a go. Um, and then little did I know that it would just be such, such trouble to try to get something out. I was working on this album for two and a half years, Sandra. Really? It, something, and I was working with a very good producer. It's a producer who has worked with bands like Muse and... Um, uh, he had, he was in the top 40 himself with a song that he did a cover of the Beatles and a Strawberry Fields Forever. And it was it went to number two at the time back in the early 90s. So I was working with a guy who was super experienced, really on top of it. But the way that we were trying to work together was very, very, you know, never the twain shall meet because he was a music producer and an entertainer. And I was coming at it from this world of, no, 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 this is living sound. We've got to create something that's going to be relaxing and create a healing effect. 
And so there was a lot of delay, a lot of problems, a lot of reworking. And I, you know, I recorded everything pretty much in 2017. And, you know, we didn't get this album out until March, April, 2020. And um, when it was starting to, come to around October, November time of 2019, and it looked like it was actually going to happen. I felt like, you know, there were, there were some things happening in the world where I didn't want to just call it a sound healing album. I wanted to really bring it, the attention of the title and the theme of the album to be about mother earth and to be about the vibration of mother earth and to be about not just you know, um, these are songs that are about Mother Earth, but this it's, it's more along the lines of, l- look at all the different healing flavors mm. that the Earth provides us with its natural presence. The, the, the biosphere is naturally tuned to the human DNA to allow us to be able to you know, get that energy that we need to balance, to, to re-energize and recharge, to de-stress, all of those different things. And that, you know, these are, these are things that are not new. The Ayurvedic world, the Chinese medicine world, it, all of the natural healing modalities that are out there, they come back to nature. Nature is the number one healer. So how could I do this in a way where I can take the, the studio album approach to life and also be able to transfer these wonderful vibrations. And that's, that's what created I Hear You, Mother Earth, which is the final product. And it was released on Earth Day uh, in April of this year. And it, it was as it was starting to get momentum as we were finishing it, COVID hit. How interesting. Um, <laughs> and it was like, aha, now I know why it's taken this long and now I know why it needed to come out the way, the the time that it needed to come out. And so I made the album available entirely by donation. Wow. I made the the album, I wanted it to be as accessible as possible to those who needed it. Mm. Because I feel like the message of what this album was about is we are so disconnected from the earth and that's what's led us to the precipice that we're in right now. And we're only going to be able to come back from that place if we start to re-interface with the Earth's wisdom. Absolutely. And, so, and that's, that's, that was how the album was launched. It was really a public service project. Um, and now it's, it's evolved into this, this you know, beautiful, beautiful um, campaign, you know, where people have really been turned on by the music each of the tracks is different each of the tracks is meant to represent a different element of nature you know if you consider that the body is all of these different energetic building blocks that are all connected to the different elements of nature per tcm and um, per uh, ayurveda then you can really appreciate that if you apply sound and vibration in such a way that can help you you know then it can be something that can be healing for, for not just a handful of people. 
So that's that's the idea behind it. That's how it was called. It was created. That's what it was meant to do. And it just, you know, the the reception has been brilliant. Um, I have been so delighted with the way that people have responded. I I got donations from five dollars to, you know, two hundred dollars, just for downloads of this album. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm you know, I'm still really emotional uh, or, um, or touched rather when I think about this I'll just and I look what a gift Sherman and, and I really encourage people to we'll put the links in the show notes for people to really access this album and to use these healing sounds for your own healing and and Sherman is very generally generously put in as by donation so I really encourage you to su- support him in this way and but to have been to have re- realized the record to have received the award that I think is real realization of your uh, of your expertise in the space, but also your your passion for it and your giving back. And so, of course, reciprocity has returned to you in terms of recognition of the beauty of that work. And I know what you're saying. It's it would have been interesting over those those three years as you were recording, and you couldn't it couldn't it might have been could have been confusing at the time in terms of why isn't it coming together uh, with that producer and and it. it there was clearly a path that you two needed to take to, to to work together and bringing the best of both worlds. But the timing, there's there's no accidents in terms of that. The timing that it came out right at a time when uh, we needed it most to be really connecting back to that beautiful healing, the the, the, the frequency of nature. Because my understanding, I think looking back at um, you probably know it, uh, Pro- Professor David Hawkins' work and Power versus Force, he he looked at the the chart of consciousness and he said, you know, nature is vibrating at the level of love, which which is, of course, why we want to be in, in nature. But what you've done for us in this album is you've brought those healing sounds into our wherever we are. We can be on a commuter train in New York. We can be on, you know, wherever we are around the world, we can we could be enjoying these sounds of nature. So what a gift, Shervin. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time. Just before we finish, I'm going to ask two questions. Firstly, if someone is listening to us right now and perhaps is feeling stuck in some way, is there one tip, one practical thing that you would share with them that they could possibly try to uh, to to feel unstuck and to feel a little easier in themselves? Yes, uh, there are a number of things you can do, but the main thing I feel what that's important. Um, is to try to get into your voice if you can, to try to to not identify your voice as something that needs to uh, thrill anybody, uh, rather than just an entertainment tool, that it's actually, you know, in so many of these sound healing studies that you look at, that the voice is really the most healing natural instrument. Including the work that my teacher did, Fabian Mamon, on looking at blood cells and how they respond to natural sounds. When it comes when it comes to the voice, nothing else comes close because it has your intention and it has your presence that that's there, and no other instrument can really do that. So you can, you know, even if it's just using vowels, closing your eyes in your meditations, take a moment to just hum first. Some of you may have a bowl a metal bowl or some chimes or something or other and bring your voice into a place where you're instead of projecting and trying to reach an audience 
Imagine that the audience is your cells and imagine sending a love song, uh, a sonic love letter to each and every one of your cells. And what would that look like with the voice coming forward in such a way? Even if it's gentle, even if it feels like it's, it's you know, insignificant, you're not gonna get a top 40 you know, hit with it, but who cares? When I started to learn about the, the secrets of the voice is when I started to understand about bringing love and intention to my voice. And my voice changed when I started to sing to my own kids. It started to change from being the karaoke superstar who's drunk and showing up and, you know, whatever, singing to, to an entire group and trying to impress an entire group. And rather, it started to become more about a, a, a way of, of, um, of building space through air and through tissue that can realign things mm. and send energy into the body. So when you bring that type of intention and if you start to think of those things that you love the most, that you have truly, truly loved in a deep place, I'm not just talking about, you know, surface level experience, what really creates that depth of love for you and allow that to, to spread through the voice then you'll have something very, very um, powerful that you can use. And if you can do that when you're in nature, all the better. Some of you may not have access to that, but even if you have a, a beautiful plant like you do behind you, being there, being around that energy, the plant has chi, the plant has um, the quality to it that is living and it can interact with living sounds so it can almost amplify the energy that you're sending out with your voice through being in that space. So that's, that's I hope, one little tool that can help people in that place where you're centering and meditating, bring your voice in. Don't identify with it as a tool of, of entertainment, but rather as a tool of connection and, and opening. Oh, superb, superb, Sherman. Like, thank you so much. What a, a beautiful gift you've just given us. and. It's true. The voice is, it is such a healing, healing tool. If we, as you say, turn it inwards as this love song, a, a sonic love letter. So thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful gift you've given us. So before we close, where can people connect with you and find out more about you and your music? Please share with us. I have a Bandcamp page where you can listen to the music. I just released a new EP with a number of tracks that have been reworked by other musicians and de um, remix artists. So there's a few tracks. I, I released that as a kind of a homage to the International Day of Peace and also to the uh, Peace Awards. So there's a five track new release that I just put out. Then you can also go to my website, soundhealingbali.com. And you can go to the, um, I think there's a section there where you can, a drop-down menu about new events or things happening. And you can find my new album, I Hear You Mother Earth, on the drop-down men menu. Click on that and you can leave whatever donation. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, just whatever you feel and whatever you have. I don't want people to be financially shut out of having, experiencing this, this, this songs from this album. And then you can um, 
also to take a look at the other things that I'm doing on my website there as well. Those are the main things. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I have an Instagram account, Sound Healing Bali. And um, yeah, just Facebook and uh, Bali Sound Healers Collective. I also have an artist page on Facebook that you can find me and send me a note if you'd like. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Shervin. Some great ways to connect with you there. So soundhealingbali.com. So, but I just want to say thank you so much for your time and your energy and the gift of your time and energy and love today. It has just been a beautiful conversation. I'd like to invite you back again at some future date where we could just talk a bit more about this whole beautiful nature of sound healing. I think there's a lot more to dive into with that. So um, we'll do that at some point in the future. But for right now, thank you so much. And uh, so many blessings to you and to your family. Thank you. And to you, what an absolute pleasure. What a wonderful space holder you are, how clear and articulate you are. I felt so at home. I felt so welcomed into this space. Thank you. Thank you for empathizing and for giving a voice to those sensitive people out there in this world who at this time, they need to have their messages shared and given out. These are the true wisdom keepers. So thank you for giving them an opportunity and thank you for giving me a chance to be heard among them. I appreciate it. My, my absolute pleasure and absolute pleasure. So thank you so much, Shobhan.